Oh goody, you found me. This is Let's Get Passionate and we are just about to get started. Hey, welcome to the Let's Get Passionate podcast. This is Emily Martin, your host, and today I am joined by one of my sweet little friends, Sarah Piercy. Good morning. Good morning. I'm so excited that we're here today. Me too. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about looking for the good. And I'm curious to hear about how this idea to look for the good became a blog for you. There's a long answer and a short answer to that question. I'm going to go with a short answer. <laughs> okay. Um, for many years, I've had this tug on my heart to write what I'm experiencing in my life, both the uh, good stuff, but also the hard stuff. And I was trying to figure out why, why was I, why was I going to do that? Because I really felt like I needed to, but I, I didn't know why. And when it really came down to it, I thought, I just want to add to the good out there. I just want to be another good voice because there's so much hard stuff and there's so much negative that nobody ever said there's too much good in the world, too much good in my life. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So I just thought I'm going to pursue that. I'm going to look for it and um, I'm going to look for it in my own day. And then I'm going to try and add it to other people's day. And, um, and hopefully it just is a happy snowball. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've read them all and they're. So positive and lovely. And I think like what I like that each of them entails or includes is like kind of this takeaway, not like a challenge or call to action, but like a tangible piece of here's how I can help you in your day, which is really awesome and useful for the reader. So I love that. And so each entry kind of touches a little bit on Christianity, but all the topics are totally relatable to all people. And I'm wondering if you've done that intentionally. I have actually. So my faith is so deeply part of who I am. Um, It's where I find my identity. So it kind of spills out in my writing because it's how I see the world. Um, But I realize not everybody sees the world the way that I do. But I still think that there's so much value. And we all have far more in common than we do that separates us. And there's still so much value for looking for the good in life that I don't want to... I don't want to alienate any readers. And um, ultimately, it would be a dream for people to become curious about um, Jesus and who Jesus is and why I love him so much. Yeah, <laughs> um, That would be amazing if somebody got curious about that. So yeah. it kind of just spills out. But I don't, want, I don't want somebody to feel like, oh, this isn't for me. It's super Christian-y because I just want it to be accessible to everybody. Yeah. And I love what you said that like Christianity is definitely the root of who you are, but it's not all of who you are. Right. Yeah. And so I think that that's really important that you're understanding that maybe that like Christianity is the umbrella in which you experience your life or um, is the overarching principle that you refer to, but that like, you know, everybody experiences love, everybody experiences hard. And yeah. so I love that yeah. you kind of put the two together, but in a very understandable and acceptable way for someone who may not be ready to hear that yet. Yeah, thank you. Thank yeah, you. That, that means a lot because I don't want I don't want my faith to be an obstacle for people um, accessing uh, what I'm hoping to give them. And yeah, I, I hope that that's good. Yeah, I, I think that it is. Thank you. So you've written um, an entry on each of your three children's birth stories, which is lovely. <laughs> yeah. I love reading those. Oh, um, and each of each of them are so different. You have induction, spontaneous, and home birth, which is yeah. really cool. You're going to be yeah. psyched to know that I have an episode coming about um, positive birth experiences at home. Woohoo! That's amazing. I know. I'm so excited for it. Um, but I wondered why you felt like it was important to share the good from those stories. I mean, birth is like 
an everyday miracle. It's something that happens every day, but so much has to go right yeah. to bring a new life into the world. And it happens all the time. Like it just is, I think in my next life, I might want to be like a midwife or a doula. I'm moderately obsessed with birth and birth stories because yeah. they're so good and so beautiful. And I realized that they're not always that way, yeah. which makes the blessing of when they go well, even more beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I found when I first got pregnant with my first child, I was afraid to give birth. And I was looking around at people's stories and they were all like kind of freaky. People gravitated towards the negative hard parts of their story. I actually found the Birth Hour podcast, which was incredible. And it was all positive birth stories that are like the whole range of like how people experience birth from all over the world. Um, But they were all positive or they looked at the good in it. And so I thought, I'm going to share my birth stories and just add to the good of the birth world by hopefully encouraging women to to look for that. Yes, it's super hard. It's maybe the hardest thing you'll ever do, but it is incredible. There's nothing like it. I mean, you know that there's nothing like it. Yeah. Yeah. It is incredible. And I think the negative stories are kind of louder, right? And so if you can add more good ones, hopefully the quantity will be louder than than the negative. Yes, I hope so. I hope so. So what are some quick one minute ways that you recommend um, for switching your mindset or your energy at home if you're kind of like in a slump? That's a good question. One that I'm still learning, um, but a few things that when I'm in a whirlwind and my mind is spinning, I stop and take deep breaths. So four seconds in, hold for four seconds and five seconds out. And when I do that a few times, I realized how shallow I'd been breathing. Mm, um, yes. And it just calms me down and lets me think. Um, and when I can think a little bit clearer, um, some things I like to do is just text an encouragement to somebody because, um, because scripture says those who refresh others will be refreshed. And I think that that's a beautiful thing because it's yeah. just a beautiful cycle. If I text somebody and encourage them and add a little bit of good to their day, um, I find it, it comes back to me too. So that's not altruistic, but it's real. Yeah. <laughs> I also like to, um, I also like to read Proverbs, not a whole lot because I don't have a whole lot of time, but Proverbs is packed with like these little gold nuggets of wisdom and you can read a sentence and kind of mull over and that's pretty cool. I also like to just try to slow down and look at somebody that I love and tell them that I love them. That's a, that's a new thing that I'm trying to do, which sounds like, it, like it's weird that that's a thing that I, I know. try to do, yeah. I think. But it's like, about being mindful, just, right? Yeah. When I would just slow down and look at my two-year-old who's like going crazy and just slow down and look at him for 10 seconds and then say, I love you, buddy. It's as good for me as it is for him. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't think you have to have people in your physical proximity to do that. You can slow down and admire anything that's in your environment that you appreciate. And gratitude is just so good for our hearts. So those are some yeah. things that I'm learning. There's definitely a lot more to learn, but those have been some really good things for me in the whirlwind. Yeah. So you've actually just mentioned something that I have written down here. And I was wondering how having an attitude of gratitude has changed you. I'm not even sure because I, d- I don't have much of a comparison <laughs> to what I would be without it. Yes. Mind you, I would say in seasons of life that have been a real struggle, uh, like my husband was very sick and off work for several months when I had a newborn. <laughs> the yes, second time. that was the craziest. It was so crazy. In those seasons, it was hard to be grateful. But when people would show up and support, like that gratitude just helped me focus on the good and there's still being goodness. 
um, and God's still being present with us. Um, and I know not everybody believes that God is present with us, but for, for me, I've experienced that as a very real thing. And when I focus on that good and when I focus on God's presence with us, it gives me peace. So I don't know if there's a better way to explain it than that. How, how about you? Have you ever experienced that? So I think having gratitude is like this brand new concept to me probably like five years ago. And I remember watching this really silly YouTube video where two men explained how simple gratitude can be. And he said, don't try to think of these grandiose ideas. Just like be like, I'm so grateful I'm sitting on this couch. I'm so grateful that this blanket's on my lap. I'm so grateful that, you know, I'm sitting at home and I'm warm. Like just just the easiest things, right? And so then it can kind of like snowball in. I'm so glad. I'm so grateful I have a working car. And just like you literally list all these things. So I never used to do that. And it's not that I wasn't grateful and thankful and appreciative of the things that I had, but I never once put it into words. Yeah. The consciousness of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think being aware and the consciousness of speaking it out loud, I think probably in some way amplifies the amount of gratitude it seems to be, I guess. Like if you're just thinking like, oh, I'm so happy I have this couch versus like saying out loud, like I am grateful for this comfy, soft couch that we just spent a lot of money on. (laughs) (laughs) That I think has a different impact than just thinking it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that changed for me, like I said, about five years ago. And it's just a continued thing that I have also been saying in my mind, like I'll just go throughout the day and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful that Georgia hasn't jumped off the counter today. (laughs) It can be as simple as my child has not swung from the chandelier today. Um, And it's honestly like finding the small little things, like you're talking about finding the good in the day, right? There's actually like research behind gratitude and what it does to your brain. Have you ever heard of the Ologies podcast? No. So there is Awesomeology. <laughs> I think they made that word up. But there's an episode called, called Awesomeology. Yeah. And, and it's about, about how we pursue happiness and how gratitude is actually such a huge part of, of that. And it will literally change your brain when you lean into having gratitude. And I think it's so cool that we're wired that way. That's so cool. And that perfectly leads to the topic we discussed before we even started recording, which was the reticular activating system. So neuroscience just like sends me. I think that it's so amazing. The brain is so cool because in ways the brain controls us, but in some ways like we can reprogram and hack our brain, right? And so the reticular activating system is one of those things that we can hack. And so my example or explanation of this is your brain filtering out the millions of bits of data that it has to take in every single day. And so you have created either subconsciously or consciously um, these constructs and these schemas in which it's going to file all this information. And so if I said to you, look around your room right now, you're in a very black and white room. So I'm going to say, look for the things that are white. And then you turn around and I say, okay, well, tell me what you saw that was black. You're going to say, well, you told me to look for white. And so now I don't have anything in my mind that's black. And so in the same way as like you buy a new shirt and you see everyone wearing that shirt and you're like, oh, I didn't realize that it was so popular, but now I see it everywhere. And so the same thing happens that if you're telling your brain to look for good and you're telling your brain to find these different things that you can be grateful for, your brain will literally magnify those things, no matter how small they are, to amplify the size of them and tell your brain that this is what you want to find and you need to find more of this because this is what you're after. That's incredible. And so in that exact way, you're literally changing your brain to be more grateful and look for more good. And that's like such an amazing thing to me. That is incredible. So what you focus on grows. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just a cool saying. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I really appreciated your honesty in your blog about your mental health and your um, enjoyment of counseling. And I would love to hear about some preventative skills and coping tools you've learned from being in the chair. (laughs) Yes. Oh, that's a great question. Um, First, I I just, I am really passionate about removing the stigma around um, counseling because I just think it's so valuable to have insight from somebody that has studied and really dug into behavior patterns and psychology and even like sociology of, of how people behave. Um, in different circumstances, like there's just so much value um, to sitting down with somebody that has really dug into that and can speak into your life from the outside. Because as much as we like to think we tell ourselves the truth, (laughs) we are not very good at identifying motives of our heart and what's real and what's not real. And we get stuck in our head. Um, And I've, I've gotten stuck so many times in my thought patterns and a good counselor has helped me see ahead of, of issues that I'm dealing with or struggles that I'm having. My husband and I did premarital counseling, and we still go to counseling now. We've been married six years, and um, we still do counseling when we're having a hard time communicating, when, when we don't know what's next. Sometimes we just go to a counseling checkup because the counselor will prompt conversations that we might not have otherwise or we might not know to have. And I always say, I don't go to counseling because I have a weak marriage. I go to counseling because I want to build a strong one. Yeah. And that is so important to me. It's like, we're just putting building blocks in place that we hope will last our whole lives. Yeah. And a counselor has helped us do that in a lot of ways, but also on a personal level, there's seasons that there was a season where I struggled with depression and having a counselor to talk to had been really valuable. Now my healing in that is a whole other story, which I haven't talked a lot about, but offline we can talk about it if you like. It's a longer story, um, but a counselor really helps process the hard stuff. After I had my second child, I was experiencing a lot of anger that I had never experienced before. So like when I was having huge emotions that I didn't know what to do with, I tapped on the shoulder of a counselor and they just help walk you through things you don't know how to navigate otherwise. And I just think there's no shame in asking for help. It's hard to ask for help, but it's so good. Yeah, I agree. And I think in today's day and age, we hope that the stigma is going to be significantly reduced, right? We have tons of awareness, Yes, you know, like the Bell Let's Talk Day and everyone tweets about that. And you hope that that's not just a tweet that people send, but an action people take, right? Yes, real life. Yeah. And so I'm from the social work field. I have a degree in social work that just collects dust on the wall right now. But Um, it's a beautiful thing. But it's a beautiful thing. And I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast without the speaking communication skills I learned from that program. Amazing. I know. And I've seen counselors myself as well. And I really appreciated what you said in your entry about like the surprising reason we go to counseling, which was because you want to build a strong marriage and not because something's wrong. In that in that blog, you said that if you meet a counselor that you just don't drive with, don't write all counselors off. Yeah. They're so different. They're so different. And every single person brings their personality and their habits and their mannerisms and stuff. And so Nigel and I did some premarital counseling too. This is just a funny story. I guess it's not really looking for the good. I still want to hear it. Yeah. Nigel and I did some premarital counseling and this woman drove me nuts. Oh no. So And like I was finishing my degree, I think. So I was like in my clinical practice of I'm interviewing people as a student. So I was kind of like, you know, excited to like see what she was going to do with us and be like, Ooh, I want to see like how you open. And I want to see, you know, like I was kind of there to be a student like of the skill and also of marriage. So we started off, Nigel's talking about something and she's just going, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm." and then 
Nigel stopped talking and she still was going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, you're not listening. Like, you're not at all. Like, that was my experience of, okay, oh, some no. counselors are not for me. And yeah. I, we needed to pick a new one. Oh, man. That's hard. Yeah. Not every counselor is the same. It was so and funny, you though. you do need somebody that you connect with. Yeah. I left laughing because I was like, that was preposterous. <laughs> well, at least you had a good attitude about it. <laughs> yeah. Looking for the good in that was that it was humorous, for sure. Well, there you go. Funny is yeah. still good. <laughs> I know. And so in your counseling sessions, you said that you talk to yourself more than you realize you do. So tell me about your self-talk and what you have had to learn about that. Yeah. So on the outside, I'm a very positive person. I love people. I love connecting with people. I never want a bad attitude to come out into my interactions with others. If I'm not feeling good, I hide it a lot. Um, I, so, cause I don't want to seem needy. I'm an Enneagram too, if you're familiar with the Enneagram. It's been a lot of my negative self-talk has been subconscious and I, it's not even like I, I haven't even recognized it as mm. I'm talking to myself this way. But it was when I sat down with the counselor and she handed me this list of things that people tell themselves when they get angry. And I didn't even know what I was telling myself. Like, I'm like, I'm not telling myself any of that, which of course wasn't true. It was just subconscious. Yeah. And then I realized, no, I believe this about myself and I believe this about myself and I'm telling myself these things subconsciously yeah. and it's really impacting how I'm behaving and how my emotions are coming out and the emotions I'm experiencing in general, the first step, like bringing to the, bringing to my consciousness, what I was thinking is like, it was huge because I was like, no, in this moment, I'm telling myself that I'm a bad mother and I'm not a bad mother. I'm having a hard moment, but I'm not a bad mom. Yeah. And like that can just really snowball um, and spiral out of control when you don't even realize what you're telling yourself. Yeah. So realizing the negative things I was telling myself was really helpful. Yeah, I read I read the list that you had written in your blog and some of them aren't I am statements, which is I think what you assume self-talk is, right? You're right. like, you know, I am bad, I am mean, those things, but some of them can be like you said, this is too hard or I can't, I can't do this. I can't keep doing this or whatever. Yeah. And I say that all the time. Like I cannot yeah. keep doing this and I do sometimes just walk away for 5 minutes and come back cuz I really will not keep doing that. Yeah. And that's um, a good thing. <laughs> yeah, but the message is not clear, right? Like it's not, I need a break and I'll come back to this. It's a negative message, right? So that's really yeah. important to, to change the wording that you're using, even if your intention is not to speak ill of yourself. Right. But that's true that you need to really mind your mind in order to present yourself in a way that you're proud of. Mm -hmm. And treat people the way that I want to treat them. Yeah. Um, you're a great interviewer. This is fun. Thank you. I'm really glad that Nigel takes the kids out and I can sit and have an adult conversation where I don't get interrupted. Isn't it so nice? Yeah. We have similar family structures where we have three small children, but your, your kids are like a lot smaller and closer <laughs> in age. So your reality is probably just some sort of crazy that mine's not. But the age of Georgia to Brooke, I think is like the max, right? Like how old is Isaac right now? He's four and a half. Okay. Yeah. So like the age category that you're in is one of my most favorite. Yes, even though so it's cute. even though it's wild. So wild. Like it is so cool that you can tangibly see when connections are made for them. Yeah. Or like they say like something so smart for the first time and you're like, what? Like you put that together all by yourself. Like that is what's so fun about it to me. That's awesome. Yeah, it's just such a fun stage. Levi right now, he's two and a half and he's so cute. Yeah. He knows it and he is 
such he's so mischievous that's so funny that's exactly I try not how to say he's is. so bad because yeah he's not bad but yeah. he is he's wild you know, reckless <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so funny I remember like him and Georgia were in uh Wombaland together when yeah. they were tiny and they haven't seen each other since so it's gonna be so cool when they get to see each other again and they're gonna be like hey let's go build this huge block tower climb it and then knock it down like they're just gonna go crazy it'll be great it's gonna be so fun well I have some exciting news tell me (laughs) yeah I am in the final process either today or tomorrow I will probably sign my first book contract that's what I thought you were gonna say that's so amazing that's what you thought I was gonna say I I have this weird like sixth sense of like really yeah I really do I'm like hot right now That's so exciting. That's amazing. Oh my gosh, congratulations. So what's the topic going to be? Thank you. It's going to be about rebooting rebooting your habits and rerooting your heart when it comes to money. Yes. Um, about a decade ago, like in 2010 or 11, I did a 365-day spending fast where I didn't spend money on anything new. And then I did a second one. Um, I was married with kids and it was very different because when you have a family to take care of, not buying new things is... Um, just a different experience. So I did them both for very different reasons, um, but they were so good for my heart and my soul that I was like, I was blown away. Anyway, a small publisher out of the US that I met in my 20s when I was doing my first spending fast approached me in the spring in the middle of the pandemic and said, hey, would you write this book? I really want to sell it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I was like, so cool. uh, I'm eight months pregnant. <laughs> Come back I have no child care. <laughs> anyway, so at the time I'm like, I don't want to say no, but I'm not ready to say yes. So anyway, I'm at the point wow. where I'm ready to say yes. And I'm so excited. That is so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm so oh excited. Gosh. It's not final yet, um, yeah. but I will probably have the ball rolling once this podcast. I was going to say, once this is out, it'll be, yeah. it'll be for sure. Yeah. I watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix. Have you seen that? Yes. Yes. Okay. It's so good. I love it. And I'm a sucker for documentaries in general, but like applicable to my life documentaries is just like so good. Yeah, me too. Um, so tell me about how you have created boundaries with your phone and social media and how that has added time to your day. Oh goodness. It's so hard. It's like, so hard. So I read Cal Newport's Digital Minimalism, which is a phenomenal book. Um, I'm going to reread it again because it just it's really inspiring and motivating to make changes. So I have experimented. So I've done like a a 30 day digital detox, he called it, where you just turn all technology on your phone off and you only use technology for work purposes. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a good, like, it was a good reboot of habits, but I found they all came back really quickly. Yeah. So it was like boundaries in place that you stick to are really helpful after that. But I do things like set a limit on my Instagram. So I have a 45 limit on Instagram, 45 minute limit. And yesterday I was done that at 10 o'clock in the morning. And I was like, no, I know. I really love Instagram. I don't know. I feel you. I feel you. It's (laughs) Um, our only way to connect with people right now. Yes. Yeah. So, so I've set, I've set limits on apps that I try to stick to and I try to swap screen time for reading time because I find that as much as I like connecting with people online, it feels really draining if it's not intentional connection. And reading is really refueling for me. So if I can put my phone down and read for 10 minutes, when the kids are in the bath or when when I'm nursing my baby, instead of scrolling the phone, if I read three pages, 
yeah. I feel a little bit refreshed. Whereas if I'm just mindlessly scrolling, I feel a little bit drained. Yeah. That translates too into your kids' habits and what they'll pick up too, right? Because yeah. stuck at home right now, I won't lie. We have more screen time usually than I want. Yes, but you know, I'm, I'm not worried. Like yeah. we're going to be fine. This is just yeah. like the name of the game is survive, right? But when our kids like see us reading books and those different habits that they're like, oh, look at you, you know, like you, you have other things to do than scroll your phone. Like, yeah. And I'm definitely guilty of the scroll too. And it's something that someone said to me recently, or maybe I heard from a different podcast, I forget, was when you're like using your phone, ask yourself like, am I getting what I want out of this right now? Or am I just Mm -hmm. using it? Because Mm -hmm. like for me, I've been reaching out to people on Facebook to say like, hey, let's do an episode. And that is my like what I want out of it. But then I also am scrolling. And so someone was saying that this doesn't make you money. Like, and I'm doing like the scrolling with my thumb, right? Like this doesn't make you money, but like this makes you money, which is like the typing. And so like, I also have another business that I do on my phone too, right? So if I'm catching myself scrolling, that is not how I make income. I'm not like being paid for paid. Yeah. So I'm like, is this what I want out of this? And is this going to add to my value? And it's usually not. Yeah, that is a really good filter. The thumb scroll versus the thumb types. I know. Because that's true. And you're also communicating with people when you're doing thumb types versus when you're just scrolling. I know. I've been trying to do one day a week where I just don't go on any social media. Mm -hmm. And the number of times I pick up my phone and open open it automatically, accidentally, totally freaked me out. Yeah. Like I'd be scrolling Instagram before I knew that I was doing it. Yeah. So then I'm like, this is freaking me out. Yeah. I've, um, I've done it where I've like opened my phone, started scrolling Instagram, closed my phone. Wait, I was going to check the time. I didn't even look at what the time was. Yeah. Like, I didn't even intend to do that. And yeah. in, in the Social Dilemma documentary, they talk about how our attention is the commodity being sold, right? And yes. that's like what really got me is yes. that they have this really cool depiction on the documentary of like this man being built by his habits. And so they have his feet and then they get like, you know, who he talks to and what apps he uses. And so they like build this man up to like create this sim character of him and they're targeting ads at him and sending him notifications that they know that he's going to want. And they're showing him this girl that he sits beside at school on Facebook because they know that he wants to talk to her and phones are the most insane. And so hearing, hearing the people from Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook all saying, we know everything you do. Exactly. We know you, we know what you want. We know what you do. Holy smokes. Like I had no idea. Yeah. I knew that they were smartphones, but I didn't know if they were like tracking everything, you know? Yeah. I think you talked about maybe doing your digital detox over the election. Is that correct? Yes. So it wasn't the presidential election that that happened. It was the, it was the Canadian election. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, It was really cool because I wasn't on social media during the thick of the election. And, um, and so I was getting my information from uh, reliable sources that I was seeking out and from one-on-one conversations with people. And man, oh man, did that ever de-escalate subjects and tension. Like normally I get a little tense during elections just because of what I'm seeing in my feed. Yeah. And I mean, we've all experienced that, you know, this past this past year, it was like, it was just very freeing. And I felt like I had the space to think about subjects and talk about yep. them with people without a lot of like tension. And it was really nice. Yeah. And isn't it kind of funny that we're saying, look for the good, put your phone down and yes. you will find the good. You're yes. distracting yourself with this low level energy when such good energy is right at your fingertips 
beyond yeah. your screen. Yes. And it's not that I think phones are terrible evil. No, like, I think no. we need them and there's a way to use them for good. Yeah. Yeah. But they can just suck the life out of us oh if my we gosh. aren't intentional. Yeah. And so I've also put an app limit on my phone for Facebook and Instagram. I have it like it's just both. But good when that pops you. yeah, that pops up, like you said, sometimes by ten AM. And sometimes I get to nine. I haven't used all my screen time. I did so good today. I know. <laughs> and it's just so funny that that's a marker of a good day, right? Is yeah. putting your phone down, being more present. And like you said, getting outside with the kids. I think we hadn't started recording yet. Getting outside with the kids is just one of the most taxing jobs for a mom. Yes. Like I swear to goodness, getting out the door, absolute insanity. That is the mom sweats that I talk about which yes. is I'm not even exerting myself. I'm literally just panicking yes. and sweating for no reason. So <laughs> yeah. giving yourself the space that you know you need sometimes is harder than it sounds because you budget certain amounts of time for yourself. I know if I want to put some makeup on today, I need this many minutes, but then you don't account for your kid being like, no, I can't find my sock. Yeah, Like, oh my gosh, I have to pee now. And like all these, <laughs> all these ridiculous things. Right. And so there's such wild cards. Yeah. Creating those guardrails of this is how much time we need, or, you know, we're not going to say we're leaving until we're literally in the car because there's right. no leaving before we get in the car. Right. So creating guardrails for yourself in, in a way that you have seen historically a troubled area, getting your kids out the door or grocery shopping, help you to have that energy relaxed. And yeah. then it's easier to look for the good than when you're like trying to swim in the doggy paddle and you're just barely staying above, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Do you That's find so you feel any different on the day where uh, you haven't used all your social time? Social oh my gosh, time? totally. Totally. Yeah. And sometimes I feel super anxious with the more notifications that I get. And so I have a couple friends that, that they send like text after text after text after text instead of like one coherent thought text because I'm the yeah. coherent thought text. And there are the 10 texts. Like sometimes my phone's like, bing, bing, bing. And I'm just <laughs> like, yes. you know, oh my gosh, I just, I can't even think about what those say. And there's no reason other than it sounds like it's going to be a lot. Like it could be one word each, but just yes. the notifications coming through. Like yes. I can feel it like swimming over me kind of, right? I'll I turn have experienced them. that. <laughs> yes. So I'll turn my notifications off or I'll make vibrate even off. Don't notify me of anything unless a phone call is happening because that's all I really need. And so I have a corner cabinet in my kitchen where I put my phone. My house is a little bit tidier when I've not been on my phone. And I, I sit on the floor with my kids more when I'm not staring at my phone. And yes. like I said, I have the limits on there. So I'm not just like endlessly scrolling, but in the pockets of time where Brooke could be like, help me build this Lego set or, you know, Georgia's destroying something. I could just be sitting with her, not getting overwhelmed when I just discover she's destroyed something, right? Yes. Because that's yeah. also hard. Yeah. And I find the kids are so much better behaved when yes. I don't have my phone with me. Yes. You like, say that in your blog. Yeah. Like they don't know if I'm calling the doctor or calling a friend yeah. to chat. Like yeah. they, they don't know if I'm doing banking or if I'm scrolling, yes. scrolling Facebook. Like yeah. to them, it's just a barrier between me and them. Yes. And like fighting just starts to happen. <laughs> yeah. And I usually try to explain what I'm doing. If I am like, you know, talking to my yeah. mom or something, I'll say like, oh, I'm just saying hi to Mima. I'll send her like the smiley face for you or whatever. Or like if I'm texting my mom, Brooke will be like, can I send her some emojis? So she'll just like take over and send her a bunch of, she calls them stickers. She'll send her a bunch of stickers. And then that way she's kind of involved. She knows what I'm doing. Or I'll say like, you know, I'm just paying a bill. I'll be a minute. And if I'm on my phone and I'm not having a valid explanation, they'll be like, what are you doing? "Mm, Nothing. And just put it down. Right. I'm like, never mind. Yeah, you're right. You caught me. You caught me. This is funny how it's turned into a digital conversation rather than 
only just seeking out the good conversation because you said in a totally different part that your phone was out in your hand unintentionally without choosing really while you were at dinner with Justin one night and then you looked around and saw everybody else's, right? And so- yeah. It's just such a humongous problem. And how can you find the good in your day if your nose is always down? Yeah. And there's so much good in real life. Yeah, And it's not that I'm totally against digital anything. It's just, it's going to take over our lives and it's designed to take over our lives. It's literally made for that. Yeah. If we aren't intentional about it. So it's like, okay, are you making the choices intentionally? Mm -hmm. Is my real question. Like, what are you choosing? Yeah. Let's talk about choosing friendships and relationships that are good. Because recently too, I've come into like a season, I'll say, of shedding friendships. And that is so hard to lose friends. I don't care how old you are. You still are like, "Eh," like, I want to be friends with you. You know, like that's just like a really natural feeling. And so even if the friend's like not super serving to your energy and still can hurt, but recognizing what value a person brings to your life and if that's worth sticking around with. There are people that have really negative parents, which is unfortunate, or they have siblings that are draining. What do you think about people who kind of have to protect themselves from their own circle? We become like the five people that we spend the most time with. Yeah. I think when you think about the people that you're spending the most time with, and I think that's outside of like the nuclear family, like whoever is in your household. I don't want to be more like my toddler. I think I should. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think the parent child relationship is different, but like the adults that you have meaningful relationships with, when you think of the people that are closest to you, do you want to be like them? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, I don't think it means stop spending time with them. Yeah. I think it means bring somebody into your life that you do want to be like. Totally. Um, or more like, or that inspires you, or that you have good conversations with. Because I think that's just simply true is that we become like the people that we're spending the most time with. Yeah. I think it's okay to be selfish about who those people are. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, we don't want to cut off people that drain us because I care about having loving relationships and meaningful relationships, even if they're not, you know, feeding me all the time. So I just think it's important to be intentional about those people that are really close to you. Yeah. I really appreciate what you just said about adding someone to your circle rather than removing someone from your circle because Mm -hmm. you don't get to choose who your family is, right? And so Mm -hmm. it must be so hard. Like I have a few friends that have really strained um, parent relationships and Nigel and I are really lucky that we don't have that situation, but we can't pretend that it doesn't happen. You want those influences and those role models. That sounds a lot better to add someone to your circle rather than be like, sorry, mom like you're cut. Like you've taken care of me my whole life, but you're cut. And and I'm not saying that there aren't situations where that's necessary because I'm sure that there are and have happened many, many times, but adding in someone who inspires you sounds way nicer than a later (laughs) dad. Yeah. And also like we only have the capacity to have meaningful relationships with so many people. Yeah. Right. So it might mean, it might mean you're a little bit less connected to somebody that's hard for you to be around, but you still choose on purpose to be with them because you know, you can't choose your family or you actually really care about them. They just drain you. Yeah. And I think (laughs) Um, that's exactly it is like, sometimes you're, you're there to help them through a season. You don't have to be always getting something from relationships as much as you should be giving, but also protecting yourself within that with mm-hmm. having inspiring role models too. Yeah. You need to both keep you going. Your- yeah. And I would say I had to come to terms with their friends for a season, a reason, or for life. Yes. Um, because I always wanted friends to be life friends. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't put enough stock in the season or reason friends. But some of those friends that I don't see anymore that I've lost total touch with just because it's how life happens, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I still look back on that time that we were really close friends and I cherish it and it's so valuable. Yeah. And it's good because sometimes friends are friends for seasons or for reasons. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. And yeah. I had to come to terms with that. Like it's okay when a friendship loses connection because of time and space. Yeah. That's a hard part about getting older or growing up is you yeah. go like that's one of the transitions that no one prepares you for. I think as you go yes. from seeing your best friends in public school to seeing your best friends in high school to seeing your best friends in college or university to then seeing no one that you're and close working with. all the time. Yeah, working all the time, or you're stuck like at home now too. So yeah. it's just this wild thing that no one teaches you how to navigate. But like mm-hmm. you're saying, you know, find the good in that relationship, find the lessons that you've been taught, and remember the good times, and just kind of release yes. it into. Yes into whatever is going to happen. Yeah. I think COVID has been like the perfect excuse or reason to reevaluate basically everything to do with your life right now, mm-hmm. right? Like we're all just sitting here choosing where we're going to focus our time, choosing what we can't wait to go do. Yes. Is that going to be something that you expected or not expected? Like I never thought I'd be starting this podcast. And it's so cool that you've started a blog and I've started this podcast, like in the midst of this global shutdown where we feel like we need more connection. Yeah. And more expression. And you found a creative outlet and I found a creative outlet. Yes. Creative outlet, And so I love that. Yeah. Just like finding something that lights you up again, something to look for the good. Like if you feel good putting on your makeup and doing yes. your hair nice, like then go do those things. Yeah. It's taking care of yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. Doing yeah. what feels you. Yeah. Well, I think that this has been super awesome. I think thank that you we, for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. I will talk to you soon and I look forward to keeping track with you and your blog online. Yes, likewise. I'll be listening to the podcast. Yay. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I hope you learned something new. Hit follow or subscribe to get my weekly episode and add me online. It's Let's Get Passionate on both Facebook and Instagram. Have a beautiful day.